do something a little bit different today. Um, we've uh, been talking for weeks now about what do I really want? What's at the base of my desires? And we've made this argument that the very base of what I really want, if I keep on asking why do I want this, why do I want that, is that I want God and his kingdom. So we've been asking ourselves, do I really believe that? Do I want this being, this inexpressible being that's been revealed in Jesus? Do I want that person? And do I want the world ordered as he would have it? So that's what I mean by God and his kingdom. In other words, Jesus, I want you. I want to be in relationship with you. I want to know what you think. I want to know what you care about. I want, you to, I want to know what you think about me. I want to become like you. And I want to live in a world where I'm ordered. My relationships are ordered. The world is ordered the way you want it. God and his kingdom. So the second question we've been asking ourselves then, based on this parable that Jesus told us, that the kingdom of heaven is like this pearl that a guy finds in, or excuse me, a treasure. I'm, I'm putting two, two different parables together here. But this treasure in a field that he sells everything he has to be able to go buy the field. In other words, gives up every desire for the one desire. Knowing that there's some desires that we have that are good, but we're letting every one of them die, relinquishing every one of them. So if he wants to resurrect them, that's great. But we have this one central desire, which is Jesus and his kingdom. Last week we talked about, you know, if we're desiring God and his kingdom, desire inspires what we call discipline. In other words, a practice, something that we decide to do. It's not necessarily driven by our feelings, because our feelings can fool us. Sometimes they don't tell us accurately what our true desires are. Feelings can be related just to our biology for the day. How much I ate, how much I slept, who made me mad. But they come and go. But our true desires require some discipline, some choice. And that's what we mean by learning to relinquish every other desire in order to have it. It's something we learn and we practice over time. But it's driven by the want to. Ultimately, what God is trying to train us into is to be able to do what we want. To live a life where we do what we want because we're not dealing with all these disordered desires. We've figured out that's not what I really want. I'm trained into doing what I want, which is Jesus and his kingdom, my deepest desires. So desire inspires discipline, but without any discipline, the desire never gets met. We talked about this last week of like wanting to become a guitar player. And unless you practice, you're never actually going to be able to do it. Your desire is going to inspire you to do some practicing. But without practicing, you're never be able to do it. So discipline nurtures desire. A lot of us in, in our culture tells us, if you could just do whatever you feel, then you're an authentic person. But what it means is mostly you're just crazy. Right? If I did just whatever I feel, that'd be pretty pretty unstable way to live, honestly, because I feel differently about the same thing from moment to moment. You ever notice that? I love my wife. I'm irritated by my wife, right? I mean, but my deepest desire is I love her, but if I just go with feelings and that's authentic, I'm, I'm going to be a mess. 
So with this, here's what we want to do. One of the things we're trying to do more this year at Believers is one of the things we know we're not short on is information. We've got lots of inf- information. You guys, you, we all have more access to the Bible than anyone else in history has ever had. Like any version you want, almost any language you want, you can have at the, at, right on your phone. It's, it's a complete miracle. And we've got the best teachers, better than me, talking heads all over YouTube. You can learn all kinds. But what we need more of is practice. Does that make sense? Just doing the stuff. Just doing the stuff and doing it together. That's the fun of community is that we get to do it together. And we get to fail at it together and go, why, why didn't that work? Why did this work? Oh, that was good. It's so much fun to be in safe community with one another where we don't have to get it right, where we can practice and try it again. So what we're going to do today is a discipline called worship. We do that every time. I know what we're doing. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. Especially if you've been raised in church. Worship's a funny thing. Roger, Roger Nix and I were talking today. We need to write a book about the, all the odd things we've seen in worship over the years. There's some pretty, some pretty spectacular stories, right? I remember once a guy just felt moved and he just ran to the front, did a cartwheel, and ran back. And this, no explanation, he just felt like that's what he needed to do. That's what happened. Okay. And that was, that was a tame one. You know, I've seen some really strange stuff. But some stuff is just beautiful, too. But the intro and what we're going to do, literally, I'm going to speak for about three more minutes. My wife's thrilled by this. And then we're going to worship the rest of this morning. And so just a couple, couple comments about worship. Worship is when you're looking at someone or something and you're saying, you're the best. Which means we're born to worship and we, we worship all kinds of things, right? I mean, like, you ever, maybe it's your sports hero or something like that. You're the best. Worship is about saying you're the best. But worship, biblically, is also about saying you're the boss. You're the best and you're the boss. And you think about it, man, I know I've had these moments where I've tasted God where I just have to tell him you're the best. When I saw how things worked out, I've been asking him for, for some intervention in my life, and it worked out amazingly, or, or I felt his presence. You started to feel that, I, at least I did, I don't know about you, just during that last song, like, oh, here you are, Lord, you're the best. But also, you're the boss. I am so grateful God is the boss of my life. I'm so grateful that he'll, he'll guide me back on to the path when I get confused and off. I want him to be my boss. However, worship's not just about the spontaneity, the desire of saying, oh, you're the best, oh, you're the boss. It's also about sacrifice. If you look throughout the Bible, over and over again, if you just look up the word worship, you'll see the word sacrifice. 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 means something that costs me a little something. That I'm going to give something of the best of myself to you. And you'll notice that Sacrifice is the discipline part of it, right? Because sometimes I don't want to tell God he's the best because I'm not particularly pleased with him right now. Because X, Y, Z has not happened right. Yes, I know ABC happened yesterday. But today X, Y, Z is not happening. So I don't feel like telling you you're the best. And sometimes, in fact, a lot of times, I definitely don't like telling him 
you're the boss. Because I think I could run the show a little bit better, right? Anybody felt that way before? But the sacrifice we make, whether that's emotionally in the moment, to just to say, I'm going to say you're the boss and you're the best and then I don't feel it. Or whether it's an action, whether it's money. That's why we give money away is we're sacrificing to worship God. That's what worship is. So it's got both the desire and the discipline of you're the best, you're the boss. That tends to, uh, and also the sacrifice of you're the best, even if I don't feel it. You're the boss, even if I want to run the show. Does it make sense? Okay. Now, if you look throughout the scriptures, how do you worship? Here's just a few ways we see worshiping happening. Singing, playing instruments, sitting, kneeling, standing, bowing, speaking in a loud voice, dancing, laughing, weeping, silence, talking, remembering, saying thanks, lying on your face, lifting hands, shouting, clapping, using spiritual gifts, like healing, prophecy, wisdom, tongues, gifts of faith, eating in the presence of God, feasting, drinking, building things that are beautiful, leaning on a staff. Did anyone bring their staff today? It's a biblical way of worshiping. Abraham worshiped the Lord as he was leaning on his staff. Fasting, wearing symbolic clothing. That might even really, if anyone, anyone have their linen ephod today? Okay. Um, confessing sins, telling other people about God to name a few. There are people in this room that to just worship and emote with the Lord, you are convinced is the way to be with God. And it's because you're emotional. <laughs> I'm emotional, okay, so I like this stuff, right? But there's some of us, we like to do stuff. We like to act. We like to think. All of those are things that God accepts as worship. Does that make sense? Like all these things, these are just, that's straight out of the scriptures, okay? So, if I'm telling you we're going to spend the rest of the time today doing musical worship, some of you are just ready to explode. Some of you are ready to leave. That's okay. Worship is, you're the best, you're the boss, and it's also sacrifice. So I found that one of the things that's helpful, if you're a little more analytical or something like that, one of the things you can do is make a sacrifice to do something you don't want to. That also says to emotional people, you may need to sit down and be quiet for just a minute. Just saying, just saying. And then also, worship God in your way. Some of you, we, we've got some uh, writing utensils and three-by-five cards. You may want to sit, open your Bible, and think about God. If you're wondering, why do you keep on using musical instruments and singing? It's one of the main ways you sing. Read First Chronicles 16. You can see there's the tabernacle, and David's like, what do we do with these guys? Uh, God's presence is in this thing. It's a tabernacle. So he says, okay, you stand there with cymbals. You stand there with a harp. You stand there with a lyre. You guys stand there with trumpets and do that all day. Because God's so amazing, we don't know what else to do. And they just would do that. So that's one of the reasons we do it. And we have psalms, that, 150 of them, that were just written of how to sing out these poems to God to tell him what, what he's like or tell him how we feel. But it might be for you that you just need to sit still for a little while and just be in the presence of God and then have this moment. I just want you to engage in this, and this is the practice we're going to do today, is recognizing, is to you, can you say, God, you're the best. Jesus, you're the best. And Jesus, you're the boss. 
knowing that, that just you may not have the feelings that immediately say it. That's okay. Notice your feelings. Say, ask God why you feel like that you do. You know this stuff to be true. You might have a little conversation about it. What usually I think happens during this time is when we're in this space, God starts talking to us a little bit. And, and I, my guess is there might be some words from God to us as a group. There might be. Um, we don't have to make that up, but sometimes God starts speaking to us as a community. Uh, we believe that's a normal thing that he does. If you have that sense, Joe and Chris, could you stand, please? These are folks that are very gifted in the prophetic, and they're, if you have a sense that it's something everybody needs to hear, can you go talk to them? The reason we want to do that is we want to hear what God's saying to you, and sometimes we're hearing it for us, sometimes it's for the whole group. It takes a lot of courage to do it, but trust me, if it, we will never make you feel bad. The best thing to do is get it wrong while trying. It's way better to get it wrong while trying than to just not try because you didn't think God can speak to you. And so, so really from here on out, this is what we're going to do. These guys, these musicians are going to provide a, an a, a atmosphere where we can tell God he's the best and is our boss. They're going to sing some songs that we can engage with the lyrics on those songs to help us. But if those don't help you, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I want to invite you into the practice of telling Jesus you're the best and you're my boss. Here's the reason we're doing this today. Earlier this week, uh, I and our leadership team got away for three days. And I, God wouldn't tell me what we were supposed to do. I didn't know. I had kind of an idea of the problems we were supposed to solve. But I knew it wouldn't be a bad idea to start with prayer and worship. We did this, and it's just us. Five people in a living room with songs on a little, you know, boombox thing. And the Lord Jesus Christ just showed up. And for three hours, we couldn't stop worshiping and praying. And it wasn't like we were grunting through it either. It was just like, what is going on? And this is what I noticed. God, I desire you. God, and I realized this discipline, this moment that we just chose to, unemotionally worship God, the desire for God got unleashed in a way that was just like, I can't get enough of you. And so that's what I've been praying for you. That's what we've been praying for you and all of us today. God, awaken desire in us. But we think we don't necessarily want you and your kingdom. Will you lead us into a space where we will come awake to what actually brings us awake? Sound good? So we'll, I'll be administrating from the background, so don't be nervous if you feel like everything's just a free-for-all. It will be sort of. We hope the Holy Spirit will do whatever, but we're going to do everything to make this safe for you. But sometimes safe for your growth seems crazy. Does that make sense? That, that it's really okay for Jesus to mess with our heads a little bit, right? He's God. So Lord Jesus, we say, uh, help us. We want to want you. We want to want you. And so will you even teach us? Teach us. I'm reminded of Jesus when you, you praised God and rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. Because you said, because these things have been revealed to everyday people, not the fancy and powerful. And it just made you so happy. I pray the joy of Jesus would be in us and on us. We welcome your presence as we worship.
spirit of the living God come and fall afresh on us. Spirit of the living God come and fall afresh on us. Ooh, spirit of the living God come and fall afresh on
know, in uh, moments like this, when we're worshiping and we're being quiet, we're being still, a lot of us think of this word, of this uh, verse in Psalm, Psalm 4610, where it says, be still and know that I am God. And I just want us to realize something that that Psalm is actually in the context of war. It's in the context of a people that are opposing God. This isn't just a, hey, hey, it's going to be okay. Come over here and be still and just know that you're okay and everything's all right. That the first mercy of God is actually to say, no, 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 you're opposing me. In this way and in this way and in this way. So sometimes God's mercy on you is for him to first say, listen to me. There are ways in which you're fighting me. There are ways in which you're opposing me. And I want you to lay down your arms. I want you to surrender and say, I'll be still now. I'll quit striving. There are other translations that say, stop striving. Stop fighting and know that I am God. So my prayer is that you would be able to hear the Holy Spirit and his mercy in where he might be saying, you've been fighting me here and it's okay to stop now. It's okay to stop now. It's his mercy that calls you to this repentance. It's his mercy that says, lay down your arms and know that I am God. So Jesus, we are still now. We want to be still. We want to know that you are God. We want to repent of what you ask us to repent of. Jesus, will you speak to our hearts and show us where we have opposed you? How to be still and surrender. Hey, Jessica, come on up, sweetie. Don't worry, I told her I was going to do this. Jessica was sharing a testimony that she had, um, an encounter with the Lord last week, and I would just, just asked her if she would pray for us, and it was right in line with what Joe just shared. So if you're comfortable, you can take your mask off and just, just pray for us. God, we come to you humbled. lay down the idols that we've had in our hearts. God, you know what they are. God, we ask for the strongest desire we've ever had to know you and your love. Replace those idols, Lord. We come to you in unity knowing that you have the power to break down those desires that have been keeping us from your love. Move with the mighty wind, blow over every desire that overcomes our desire for you and bring up out of the ground like flowers through concrete, a desire for your love. God, we have faith that you are stronger than the enemy 
you are stronger than the desire for love from others. You're stronger than the desire for money. You're stronger than any other desire that can try to overcome and keep us from you. You are the only thing we want, Lord. In your name, almighty and powerful, we pray. Amen.
Remember who you're talking to. 
sense in this moment and I've been wondering all weekend why I was experiencing this if you're like me you were raised in church and you've been also in maybe Tulsa Christianity for a while I love this city it's an incredible history but it's got a funky history too and I noticed what was happening to me for the last two days all this stuff coming up. I was having memories of the things that have been most disappointing to me <laughs> in church life, in worship sessions, where, you know, I see a guy up dancing later who I know is not following Jesus at all, is being very bad, you know, or some manipulative, funky, ugh, poo-poo thing related to religion. Amen. I'm so allergic to religion, but I'm really, really into Jesus. And I noticed, I felt like the Lord was challenging me just, I don't know if you heard me shouting, holy, I was doing that on purpose. I wasn't feeling it at all. I was feeling that was my sacrifice, but I could almost feel like this kickback of almost a mocking. And, and guys, I, I, this may sound just weird to you, but it, it's it's real stuff, but there's, when, when we still have stuff we need to repent from, and that might be judgments about religion in my own heart, that opens the door for the demonic to hang around. And so we don't get to enjoy Jesus in this clean interchange, you know what I mean? Because the truth was, it was true that there's some wonky stuff I've lived through in the last 25 years in this city. It was pretty, pretty broken, but we're all broken. We're just broken. We are a mess. And so the only way I know 
to defeat the enemy, all that stuff. Jesus says, God gives grace to the humble who come here. And so what I feel the Lord inviting me into is, is repentance. And what, what I mean by that is to say, Jesus, there's a couple things. Not that, that I have to say what was untrue is true. That is not repentance. It's to relinquish judgment against others and myself too. Does that make sense? Because judgment and Jesus don't hang out together. It's, it's disobedience, right? He says, don't judge. We're not saying things aren't true and we don't discern things. But there's things we hold ourselves back from because of our own judgments. And I have. I am guilty. But I want more of Jesus. I just want a clean space. And I want to invite everyone else in their brokenness to be able to come to Jesus. Chris, will you share what you... Chris didn't know I was feeling that, and she had a sense of bringing us to the foot of the cross. If you could kind of lead us there. Yeah. Let's just pray. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. <laughs> um, if you remember, I often go back to that, that, that moment of my salvation, that moment of decision, that, that moment of um, at the foot of the cross. That's just a moment where we are deeply aware of our own brokenness. That moment that we, our sin is before our eyes. Our need for a savior is alive and bouncing in our souls. And yet, at the foot of the cross, there's a, there's a revelation of being loved profoundly in the middle of our mess. And that's the thing that transforms us. It's, it's the difference between conviction and sin and uh, shame. It's, it's this unfathomable love of God as displayed on the cross of Christ in the middle of our need, in the middle of our ugliness, in the middle of our judgment, in the middle of our religion. So Lord Jesus, help us to go back there again. This year there has been so much that has been exposed inside of our own soul, inside of our churches, and in our root systems of religion and anger and judgment. And even though it's painful, Lord, I see it as a good thing when you expose us. Because you knew it was there all the time surprised and so Lord in the face of mockery in the face of religion in the, the face of judgment outside of me and inside of me we come before you again at the foot of the cross We are weak and broken and frail. 
desperate need of a Savior. Will you help us to sit in this place and to not push away, but to receive your love, to tremble in your majesty, and also rest in the shocking love of our Creator. We've lost our way.
Giving up the fight is good. If it's not, it's really no fun. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus wins the arm wrestling. Just give up now. Well, I want to pray a scripture over you. Paul wrote this to the Christians in Rome. He says, therefore I urge you. Let's all stand together while I pray this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. What does this worship look like? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And God, give us grace to be the worship. May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine on you, lift up his face, his countenance on you, give you grace, and grant you peace this week. Have a wonderful week. We love you.